Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Howdy, guys. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only $0.16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 100, today we hit the 100 mark, 100 extra Patreon episodes, which is over 140 extra hours of listening pleasure. So to see this full list of 100 Patreon episodes, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon episodes tab. And there you can see the full list of the Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have previously published. Also, today, we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Antarctica, in which we discuss all the weird and mysterious things that have been discovered there. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you would like to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over Hollow Earth. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk a little bit about what is the Hollow Earth Theory and then we'll discuss what it supposedly contains and all the creatures inside of it, and then we'll transition into some strange facts and findings, and then go into theories, and then, of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. What if I told you that way back in the 16th century, Rumors began to circulate that beneath the surface of the Earth, there exists something far beyond your imagination. A hollow area inside of the Earth that is filled with multiple different lands, creatures, robots, and even various races of human-like beings. As crazy as this sounds, there have been many weird coincidences that may make you believe that this place truly exists. Such as the diary of a high-ranking military official who wrote about the perfect climate that exists inside of our Earth, the various humanoid beings that live there, and how it is all being covered up and hidden from the public. This is... Hollow Earth. Now, before we dive into some theories and all that juicy stuff about Hollow Earth, we first need to explain what Hollow Earth is. So, Dan, can you start that off for us? So, what is Hollow Earth? 
Well, if you haven't heard about it, then let us bring you up to speed. So hollow earth is the theory that the earth itself is hollow and contains an interior space. Within this space inside the earth, there's supposedly a whole other world with a civilization existing and that there are only a few entrances from the surface of earth into this hidden world. Now that's pretty much what hollow earth is. So let's discuss when someone first mentioned this theory. So way back in 1864, there was a book called Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne. Dan, have you ever read this book? I have not. No? Okay. All right, well, add it to your reading list. All right, I will do that. Okay. So in this book, a German scientist believes that there are volcanic tubes that reach to the very center of the Earth. Now, this book is a good reference when talking about hollow Earth. However, it actually wasn't the first time that this hollow earth theory or, you know, hypothesis has actually been mentioned. Because between the 16th and 17th century is when this actual concept of the hollow earth was created by an individual named Edmund Haley. And just a little knowledge nugget for you. But Edmund Haley was the famous astronomer who actually discovered Haley's Comet. You know, the one that orbits earth every 75 years. It was that dude who discovered it. So there you go. Nice. All right. So this Edmund Haley believed that the Earth consisted of several shells separated by individual atmospheres, with the outermost layer having a thickness of about 500 miles. He also believed that the natural phenomena like the Aurora Borealis, or for people like me that just like to call it the Northern Lights, well, Edmund believed that these magnetic field variances were products of these multiple layers which he said moved independently of each other. So Edmund started studying magnetic compass variations. And in 1683, he stated that he had reached the conclusion that the Earth possessed four magnetic poles. So what does this mean exactly? Well, Edmund stated that two of these four poles were located somewhere in the Southern Ocean and the two northern ones were in the Bering Strait and the Spitsbergen. Now, even though he made that claim, he wasn't actually able to prove the existence of these multiple poles. And the reason he said he wasn't able to prove their existence is because, and I quote, secrets as yet utterly unknown to mankind. Ooh, mysterious. Now, a little knowledge nugget real quick. It is rumored that Edmund Haley had purchased research papers from a man named Peter Perkins who passed away in 1680, who was doing a study on these four magnetic poles. This Peter guy had addressed the Royal Society about his findings, but then passed away, which is when Edmund Haley purchased his research from Peter's brother. Now, Edmund didn't acknowledge this claim. However, it didn't stop people from gossiping about it. Just something that we thought we would just mention. Yeah, so Edmund may be a fraud when it came to the magnetic pole claim. Ooh. We don't know. It's, we just thought we'd throw that in there. All right, so moving on. So Edmund Haley started reading classic myths and lore in different books as a way to try and help him figure out the cause of the four magnetic poles that the Earth had, or that he thought they had. Now, in some of these myths, it mentioned hollow cavities in the Earth, catacombs, and subterranean grottos. So after reading that, Edmund kind of had a light bulb go off above his head. He said, that's it. There has to be two magnetic poles on the surface of the Earth and that the other two 
was within the Earth, rotating a different way with the magnetic poles on its axis. So essentially, he was stating that there was an area of Earth that was hollow. Now, we do have an image to kind of give you an idea of what he was talking about. And we'll have this image on our website for you to go look at. Just go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the References tab, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and the image will be right there under episode 132, Hollow Earth, which the image is just like someone drew an earth. You can see a hole at the bottom of the earth, which is like the butthole of the earth. And uh, inside just looks like a continent and like a sun, you know? It's a baby earth. That's pretty much what it looks like. Yeah. All right, so moving forward, so after Edmund Haley passed away, the next person to bring up the hollow earth theory would be an individual named John Sims. So this John dude was an American army officer, and he proposed a theory about the earth being hollow. John stated that the earth is a hollow shell encircling two additional concentric shells and a solid core. Each one of these concentric shells had their own magnetic poles, which accounted for the multiple magnetic poles of outer earth, as well as its own atmosphere and source of light, so that it may support life. And just a side note, but John's description was pretty much exactly like Edmund Haley's. So fast forward a few years later, in 1818, John actually changed his thoughts on Hollow Earth. John stated that he believed that Hollow Earth was more than just a big hollow area. He actually went into super detail about the size and location about the openings that were on the surface of the Earth that granted you access into hollow Earth, as well as the rims and downward slopes of these openings, which he called verges, or in simpler terms, it's pretty much just a border or edge, okay? Now, this is where John went pretty crazy with it. So he said when you go beyond those verges, you know, aka edges, that you would then enter the warm and rich land, which were illuminated by rays refracted from the sun into hollow earth. So, of course, after John said this, he was criticized about this. Some called him a nut. However, some still called him a genius. So this kind of lit a fire under John. And he was like, I'm going to prove every single one of you wrong because I'm going to prove my hollow earth theory is right. So for the last decade of his life, John tried to get the federal government to fund an expedition to find what he called Sims Hole, a.k.a. the entrance of hollow earth. So during that last decade of his life, John decided to have some little pamphlets printed out that kind of told everyone about the earth being hollow. And he ended up sending these pamphlets to every single university, college, and government building that he came across. So he was spreading the word. So we do have a copy of these pamphlets and we will post a picture of it on our website. So this pamphlet says, and we quote, To all the world, I declare the earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that is open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth and am ready to explore the hollow if the world will support and aid me in the undertaking. Now that isn't the only thing that John mentioned on this pamphlet, because he also said that he would need 100 brave companions that are well-equipped and that they would start in Siberia in the fall season. And just like all the other pictures, we do actually have 
a photograph of the original pamphlet and we will post it on our website for everyone to go see. So this pamphlet started making its rounds and everyone started talking about it. This caught the attention of John Quincy Adams, who was actually considering it, not because he believed in hollow earth, but because he was up for re-election and believed that it could help his campaign and get more votes. However, Andrew Jackson ended up beating out Adams to become the president of the United States in 1828, and Andrew Jackson was just like, we ain't funding no expedition to, for hollow earth. Get that shit out of here. That's exactly what he said, word for word. That's right. We were there. So after being denied funding, John was on the verge of bankruptcy, but he was still trying to spread the word of his theory and still trying to get funding for it. Now, a little knowledge nugget real quick. The Chancellor of Russia during that time was actually planning a polar expedition. And he heard about John's like, hey, I'm, I need funding and I got a theory that the earth is hollow. So the Chancellor was like, hey, you can join our team on our polar expedition. And if we find the entrance to hollow earth, feel free to jump off the boat and go in there. And you figured John would be like, hell yeah, I'm going to go with you. I can finally prove that the hollow earth exists. However, John actually declined that invitation, which is kind of weird. I bet it was because it was Russia. Maybe. All right, moving forward. So as the years passed, John's health started failing him, and before he could get enough money to fund an expedition, he ended up passing away and was buried in Hamilton, Ohio. And just a little side note, John's family was pretty famous there in Hamilton because of John's, and I quote, crazy theory. Also, in the 1840s, the burial grounds were turned into a park, and they removed all the bodies buried there, except John's. Now, there is a monument that stands in the park where John is buried that looks like a hollow earth on top, which of course we have a picture of that and how it's gated in and stuff, which is interesting. Yeah, it looks like a big donut, kind of. It does. Hmm. I know uh, I saw one interview about it. The lady was just like, yeah, they left John there, but like they removed everybody else because, you know, they were just bodies. Damn. She didn't give a shit about everybody else, huh? No. All right, so there you go. That's the entire history of the hollow earth theory and how it came to be. Now, before we get into the strange facts and findings, let's talk about what is supposedly inside of this hollow earth. So, as we were researching hollow earth, we came across the word agartha. Now, agartha, according to the hollow earth theory, is supposedly one of the most commonly used names for the ancient civilization that is within the earth. Agartha also supposedly has a capital city that is called Shambhala. Now, I know what you are all probably thinking. Where did this information come from? Who went down inside of the earth, learned all this stuff, and came back up and told everybody about it? Which, I thought the same thing. Somebody jumped down there and learned about it. Well, apparently, somebody did. Because Agartha was first mentioned in a book in 1908 called The Smoky God which was written by Willis George Emerson. So Willis wrote this book as kind of like a biography of a Norwegian sailor named Olaf Jensen and what Olaf had discovered during his life. In this book, Willis also wrote in detail about the trip that Olaf took where he had met these inhabitants that lived in a network of underground colonies. He stated that these beings stood around 12 feet tall and their world was illuminated by a smoky central sun. 
Also, there are smaller enclosed ecosystems that are located just beneath the Earth's crust or within the mountains. Another thing that was stated is that there have been many wars and cataclysms that happened in the past that drove these civilizations underground. These wars were similar to the Atlantean-Lemurian War that supposedly occurred when Atlantis was around, and that these civilizations used thermonuclear weaponry. They also state that the various deserts around the world on Earth, such as the Sahara, the Gobi, the Australian Outback, and others, well, they were examples of the devastation that occurred those many years ago. Like, those deserts were created because of the thermonuclear weapons that were used by these ancient civilizations. Now, another thing that was stated is that these underground subsidies were created as safe havens for the people and for their historical records, teachings, and technologies that were cherished by these ancient civilizations. There are said to be several entrances to the kingdom of Agartha throughout the world. In total, there are around 14 entrances to Hollow Earth, and they are at very well-known places, such as King Solomon's Mines, the North and South Poles, the Great Pyramid of Giza, and the Kentucky Mammoth Cave, just to name a few. So something else worth mentioning is about certain important locations around the world that are supposedly connected to subsidies inside of Hollow Earth. Now, one of these important locations is the Himalayan Mountains in Tibet, and it is apparently the entrance to the underground city of Sunshe, which is said to be guarded by Hindu monks. Now, another location is along the border of Mongolia and China, where the underground subsidy of Sinhwa exists. The next location is in Rama, India, where underneath the surface is the subterranean city which is also called Rama, and is supposedly one of the largest cities inside of Hollow Earth. Now, the last location is Mount Shasta in California. There under that mountain in California is the city of Talos. And just a little knowledge nugget for you here, uh, but supposedly there was once an ancient civilization known as Mu. Now, during the Atlantean War, when everything was popping off and nukes started flying, the people of Mew supposedly said, F this, and they ended up relocating underground into that underground city of Talos, which of course is underneath that mountain in California. That's just a little knowledge nugget to pop in your back pocket and save for later, you know, during dinner time, when you can pop it out when you're sitting around your family and just kind of mention that. So there you go. Do you guys know that there's an ancient civilization underneath the California mountains? <laughs> it's, the, it's the civilization of Mew. Come on now. Didn't y'all know this? Your entire family looks at you like you're stupid. It's okay. I believe you. All right. So those are just some of the known locations. Now, I know what you're thinking. Are these beings like us? Are they humans? Are they reptilians? Well, after doing some digging and researching on the interwebs, there seems to be three types of beings that live in Hollow Earth. The first type of beings are called the Old Ones. Now, these Old Ones are a highly advanced human-like race that predates Homo sapiens by more than a million years, and they live for a long-ass time, way longer than humans do. So these old ones lived on the surface of the Earth for a very long time, but they decided to relocate underground where they built their own environment under the surface of the planet. 
Also, something worth mentioning here is that the American author Brad Steger mentioned these old ones in a book that he wrote. Now, what he said was pretty interesting. He stated, and I quote, The old ones generally remain aloof from the surface peoples, but from time to time they have been known to offer constructive criticism. And it has been said they often kidnap human children to tutor and rear as their own. So that statement right there got people thinking that maybe these old ones were the ones that were causing people and children to go missing in national parks, which we have discussed in way more detail in our uh, Missing 411 episode. So that's just a little something to think about. You know, if you haven't heard the Missing 411 episode, look it up. We've done an episode over it. It's a great one. Check it out. All right, so let's move on to the next race of beings. Now, the next race of beings is called the Elder Race. So in 1945, there was a magazine called Amazing Stories. This magazine ran a story that was told by an individual named Richard Shaver. Richard claimed he had recently been a guest of what was an underground civilization. Richard also claimed that there was a race of beings that he met called the Elder Race, but that they're also called Titans. Now, Richard went on to say that this Elder Race came to this planet from another solar system in our prehistoric past. And after a time of living on the surface, they realized our sun was causing them to age prematurely. So these elder beings were like, we can't make sunscreen, but we can travel underground. So they escaped and went underground and built many huge subterranean complexes in which they lived. Richard also claimed that this elder race finally realized that they had enough of living underground and decided to seek a new home on a new planet. So this elder race ended up building artificial beings called Darrow-Detrimental Robots and Taro-Integrated Robots. Now, apparently the Darrow robots are the evil ones, and the Taro robots are the good ones. So after building those, the elder race evacuated Earth and left their underground cities with these artificial beings, you know, aka robots. Also, Richard stated that it was actually these artificial beings that he had communicated with. I never actually thought about that, you know. Uh, an underground race, upon leaving, they create a sort of AI to protect their findings as sort of like a filter. An advanced enough civilization, if they could figure out these humanoid beings, then they can get access to their technology. Otherwise, they don't want like cavemen running inside there, you know, grabbing their technology and wiping out their race. So, eh, something interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. All right, uh, so let's talk about the last race of beings that supposedly live in Hollow Earth. Now, this race is called the Nagas. So, according to a book called The Deep Dwellers by William Michael Mott, these Nagas are a snake-like, reptilian, human-like creature that is a very advanced race or species with highly developed technology and that they often wage war on the kingdom of Agartha. Now, these Nagas are also said to pretty much hate human beings, and they actually hate us so much that they actually come to the surface every now and again and either abduct, torture, interbreed, and even sometimes eat us. So there you go. Damn. Yeah. So we do have a photograph of some ancient carvings and statues of weird creatures that look similar to what these Nagas supposedly looked like. 
Of course, you can go to theoriesofthedirtkind.com, click on references, scroll all the way down to episode 132, Hollow Earth, and there you can see the photograph of these ancient carvings. I mean, I've seen these carvings before. It's pretty much like half-human, half-snake, or half-human, half-reptilian. They're very weird and odd. Yeah. It's like Medusa. You know. Yeah. Now, a little knowledge nugget real quick. So in India, there is an ancient belief that there is a subterranean race of serpent people who dwell in the cities of Patala and Bhogavati. Which kind of makes you think, you know, how true is that ancient belief? Did they really see these Nagas back in the day, wrote about them and, and made carvings and stuff after them? And, uh, you know, now they're being actively covered up. But we'll save that for theories, okay? Now, before we get into strange fact and findings, we have something that we want to announce real quick, okay? And it's not your typical ad. Give us literally one minute of your time. This announcement is worth it. We'll be right back. Don't skip. Don't skip. Just listen to this. Trust me. You'll want to hear it. It's our own ad. It's our own personal one, okay? Do you like wearing comfy shirts, Dan? I do. You know what shirts I hate? I hate the ones that are really thin, that are see-through, and it shows your nipple color. I hate those type of shirts. But I love when you wear them, but I agree. Horrible shirts. Horrible. I like heavy-duty, high-quality shirts. Now, I know some of you may say, you've been sold out of your merch for, like, years now. That's true. We've been on a search far and wide, traveling all around the world to find the rarest and best cotton to make succulent, well-fitting shirts. Haven't we, Dan? Tell them where we've gone. We've gone to Brazil. We've gone to Vietnam. We've gone to Korea, where we almost never came back. North Korea, might I add. Thanks a lot, Kim Jong-un. Yeah, he tried to keep us there, but we said we had a show to do. We went to Egypt, which never go to Egypt because they confiscate everything you have and they won't give it back to you, okay? Bunch of dicks there. They took Aaron's really thin shirts. He was upset. I was even more upset. Said, hey, you can have them. Your dark nipples are going to show through them. I don't like them. Anyways, they didn't have the cotton we liked, okay? But upon our escapade, upon our search far and wide, we ended up coming across some great t-shirts. And guess what? Tomorrow, we will be releasing new merchandise, different designs, t-shirts, hats. It's going to be fancy. Shipping times are going to be quick. We got a person now dedicated to our merchandise who oversees it and is all about shipping and responding to emails. If you have any issues, the person will email you back very quickly. You won't have any problems, okay? We've ironed everything out, and we hope you love it, and we'll continue to roll out merchandise. But once these designs are gone, we don't. We usually don't bring them back. We bring out a new wave each time. So if you like any of these designs, grab them while you can. If not, they'll probably be up on StockX or something. Somebody will post them up for some ridiculous price or something. One million dollars. All right, that's the end of the ad, okay? End of the ad. I hope you all go get some if you want some. If not, no pressure. We love you all. That's right. We love you, and we're proud of you. Get your mug. Get your mug, get your shirt, get your hat, get your roll on. Boom. All right, welcome back. So now we're going to transition into strange facts and findings. So, Dan, do you want to tell us about this first one? So our first strange fact and finding is about a cave in Vietnam. Now, when I first learned about this cave in my homeland, I was always intrigued by this. If you don't know, Dan is Vietnamese people, okay? Just an FYI. So in Vietnam, there was a large cave that was discovered that is called the Hang Sun Dong. Now, 
At this cave, there's an opening where sunlight enters and it gives the vegetation in this cave the sunlight it needs. Because of this, the cave itself has its own like jungle and even animals have like migrated down into this cave system to live because it's honestly just like the outer area of, of the cave where it's jungle and all that stuff. So they've adapted to actually live in this area. And I have a quick clip that we can watch so y'all can see what it looks like and everything. So I have a link to that video. We'll link that in the references that you can go and take a look at it. Honestly, it's beautiful. It's amazing that this is in a cave system with just like a little skylight to where just enough light shines down into it. And it reminded me of the fact that they were talking about how the sun's rays refracted into hollow earth. So this was this would be like an example of it. OK, I would think. All right. Yeah. So if you want, you can go to our website, go to references and watch that video and we'll have it linked up for you. I like that. Have you ever heard about that, Aaron? About that cave? No, never have. They still haven't like discovered the whole thing yet. Damn. Must be a big ass hole. It is. That's what she said. All right. So let's move forward to our next strange fact and finding, which is about satellites that are in orbit around the Earth. So there is an area at the North Pole that the satellites that orbit Earth are kept away from. And I know this sounds crazy. It sounds almost bonkers because when I first was looking into it, I was like, there's no way. I mean, the satellites can easily go over that area. But when you look into it, no, they don't. We have an image from NASA showing the routes the satellites take. And there is an area in the North Pole which all of them avoid. Now, I'm not just talking about one or two. I'm talking every single satellite that orbits Earth. And there is an ass load of them, okay? Now, if you look at that image, the area that they avoid kind of makes a perfect circle over the North Pole. And something else to add to this weirdness is that when you look at seismic waves, when they get to that area where the circle is at in the North Pole that the satellites don't orbit near, well, those seismic waves, they disappear completely in this area. And then they end up returning later on. Now, this area does have a specific name, which is called the Shadow Zone. And we do have a picture of those satellites and what route they take and their orbit and the circle area that they avoid. And we'll post that up on our site for you to go take a look at, which is very weird. I wonder why they avoid that area. I don't know. Yep. All right, Dan, so tell us about our next strange fact I'm finding. All right, so our next strange fact I'm finding is about Antarctica, which is our Patreon episode, and I did mention this in there. So if you are a Patreon member, you know that we dropped an episode today. We covered it and all that weird shit that is there. So if you haven't checked it out, go give it a listen. It is a great episode. So anyway, off the coast of Antarctica, there is this hole in the Weddell Sea that was first seen in 1974. They call this the Weddell Polynesia, and it is basically an area of water surrounded by ice. So this opening was big, and when I say big, I mean that it was the size of the state of Oregon. It's huge. Yeah, it was a giant asshole, okay? Now, what is strange is that two years later, in 1976, this hole, it just mysteriously closed up. However, almost 40 years later, in 2016, it was noticed that an opening the size of the state of Maryland had randomly occurred in the Weddell Polynesia. Now, 
Some believe that this hole is actually an entrance to hollow earth. However, others just think that there's a volcano under there and it became active again and it kind of like melted the ice underneath it, creating the hole. But whatever it is, super weird, you know? Which we have a video. We'll link that as well. Y'all can go take a look at that. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it shows that giant hole. So go take a look at it. All right, Dan, tell us about our next strange fact and finding. All right, so the next strange fact and finding is about a patent that was filed. So on November 25th of 1912, American researcher and author Marshall B. Gardner submitted an application to the United States Patent Office to obtain a patent. So this patent was on the theory that the Earth was hollow. Well, guess what? 18 months later, after much delay, paperwork, and investigation, the United States government decided to grant Marshall the United States patent, which was number 1096102, entitled The Hollow Earth Theory. Now, we do have a link to that patent for anyone to go look at, and of course, we will link it on the website under references. Super interesting patent, I must say. He goes into detail on it. So he got a patent for Hollow Earth, even though other people brought it up first. Yeah. He filed for it, and the government was like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I advise everyone to go take a look at that uh, patent, read over it. They couldn't scan the pages straight? Come on now. Yeah, the pages are all crooked. Anyway. All right, so let's go on to our next strange fact and finding, which is about a borehole. So in the Kola Peninsula of the Arctic Circle of Russia, there is an abandoned, crumbling building. And inside of this building, there is a rusty metal cap embedded in the concrete floor that has rusty bolts that are securing it down. So this rusty metal cap on the concrete floor is actually the Kola Super Deep Borehole, which is the deepest man-made hole on Earth and the deepest artificial point on Earth. And I do want to say, it's not like there's a giant hole, right? It's like the size of a car that's, that has like a lid over it that's bolted down. This opening is fairly small. I want to say it's like the size of my hand. So it's not like you're going to go falling down into it. Yeah, it's like the same size they use for like drilling for oil. Yeah, so it's not, it's not very big. So way back in 1970, the Soviet Union decided to start drilling this hole. Then in 1992, after drilling for 20 years or so, the temperature of the drilling area reached 356 degrees Fahrenheit, which was twice the temperature of what they actually expected when drilling at that depth. And they couldn't continue anymore without additional equipment. So because of that, and the Soviet Union actually collapsing, they had to stop drilling. The total depth that they actually reached was 40,230 feet. That is a deep hole. That is a very deep hole. Yeah, and something worth mentioning is that some of the locals in the area and other people who have actually visited the hole have stated that they can hear screams that sound like people being tortured in hell down there. Just something I thought I'd throw out there to help you sleep at night, okay? That reminds me of that one hole that we talked about. Mel's hole. Mel's hole. We did an episode over that. That was like when we first started the podcast, near the beginning. Yeah, it's way back. Yeah, good old days. All right, so let's get into our last strange fact and finding, which is about Admiral Richard E. Byrd. 
So Admiral Richard E. Byrd was an American naval officer and explorer. He was a recipient of the Medal of Honor, which is the highest honor for valor given by the United States, and was a pioneering American aviator and polar explorer. So in 1946, Richard Byrd told that he would be the commander and the leader of Operation High Jump. Which we covered this in super detail on our Patreon episode. But to kind of sum it up, this operation sent thousands of military personnel and multiple warships to Antarctica for what they said was a training mission. However, there was a lot of weird shit surrounding the entire thing. Like, just a few months prior to this operation happening, a Nazi official announced that they had a base set up in Antarctica and had buried treasure there and shit. Which, that kind of makes you think that the United States really didn't go there for just a training mission, but to get some of that treasure. Supposedly the Holy Grail and Spear of Destiny and all that were buried. Oh, yeah. Anyway. All right. So this Admiral Richard E. Byrd, who was over this entire Operation High Jump, well, he wrote in his private diary some interesting things. He stated that as he flew over the North Pole, that he was supposed to see snow and ice, but yet he encountered lush green land with a river flowing through it. Now, before we continue on with this, I know what some of you are going to say. Antarctica is not anywhere near the North Pole. And you're correct. Antarctica is where the South Pole is at. But if you listen to our Patreon episode, you'll learn that Richard E. Byrd, he not only flew over the South Pole, which is Antarctica, but he also flew over the North Pole. Okay? Just a little FYI. Now, something else strange that is worth mentioning is another diary entry which Richard Byrd talks about a conversation between him and an individual named, and I quote, the master. So this diary entry says, and we quote, I bid you welcome to our domain, Admiral. Richard then describes a man with delicate features and with the etching of years upon his face. He is seated at a long table. He motions me to sit down in one of his chairs. After I am seated, he places his fingertips together and smiles. He speaks softly again and conveys the following. We have let you enter here because you are of noble character and well known on the surface world, Admiral. Surface world? I gasp under my breath. The old man replies, Yes, you are in the domain of the Ariani, the inner world of the earth. We shall not long delay your mission, and you will be safely escorted back to the surface and for a distance beyond. But now, Admiral, I shall tell you why you have been summoned here. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugelrads, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral. But I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must. For you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be witness here that our world does exist. 
You see, our culture and science is many thousands of years beyond your race, Admiral. Now, after that, according to Admiral Richard Byrd's diary, he is escorted safely back to the surface. So we started digging around to see what he wrote about lined up with the events that were taking place. And it is worth mentioning that we did find a small inconsistency. Now, supposedly during this time, in February of 1947, that Richard had flown over the North Pole, had a conversation with this master, and then left. Well, he wasn't actually flying over the North Pole. According to the records, in February of 1947, he was actually flying over the eastern coastline of Antarctica. Yeah, just something to mention. I mean, the military can cover up and change dates to try and discredit him, but I can say, the entire thing is very interesting to say the least. Oh yeah, it is. But my thing is, if this race of beings is thousands of years advanced, why don't they just like project like a message to all of our devices around the world, like every single phone and every single TV uh, of them saying, hey, we live in hollow earth that exists. Your government's hiding it from you. Quit blowing up bombs, you know? And it become just like that, um, oh, what was that, uh, not Radiohead guy, that weird mask guy that we talked about. Oh, Max Headroom? Yeah, Max Headroom. Yeah, they'd say it's a, the media would say it was a hack and that, uh, it was some hacker group that pulling a prank or something. That's exactly what I think would happen. I wouldn't doubt that, you know. Just to keep things under control, not to let anything leak out. All right, so that's the end of our strange facts and findings. And now we are going to transition over to theories. So the first theory that we're going to discuss is just a basic general theory of this entire episode. That the Earth is indeed hollow. And that there is an entire civilization, an entire new world to us that is inside of our Earth and that the entrances to this hollow earth are being hidden from us. I don't know. You know, it just... Even with this episode, I don't know if the earth's hollow. It's hard to believe it, right? Because we've been so indoctrinated into the belief of this is how things are. This is how they've always been. This is the science. You cannot question it. Now, it's fun to theorize and think about this being a possibility. However, me personally, I, I don't think there is a something inside of our earth you know do i think there's something inside of the moon yeah possibly because of our moon episode and how the moon whenever that device landed on it and how it uh the inside of it rang for hours and hours right yeah as if it was hollow i think the moon might be hollow but the earth i don't know yeah i don't know i think there's uh, underground bases for sure but I don't think it's an entire underground world. I think there's military underground bases. That I know for sure. And uh, I think the elites have giant underground bases that uh, they go to in case of emergencies. Damn. That right there actually leads us into our next theory. That there is no ancient civilization or another world underneath the surface. Unless you want to call military facilities a world of their own. The government or world powers have military installations at each supposed entrance area, which is just them holding power over that territory. But what is inside there is the question. Is it just their military bases that they're holding control of? Because that makes sense. 
or is it an actual entrance into hollow earth? Which begs the question, if there is a hollow earth and there are highly intelligent beings inside of it, why are they allowing the government officials or military people to guard the entrances? Are they waiting for maybe the human civilization as a whole to be less destructive, to have some sort of like spiritual awakening, as some may say, you know? I don't know. But what I do know is that there is a lot of military installations. Uh, one of them, which is called Raven Rock, which is huge, and uh, it actually has like stores and stuff inside of it. Really? Yeah, look it up. It's nice. Is it like some Resident Evil stuff? The Hive? It's ex- it has a freaking basketball court and everything in it. Dang. It's huge. Yeah, it has a shopping mall and everything. What if they have like these military installations underneath? Wouldn't say Hollow Earth, but say these huge caves and stuff just made it easier to make, you know, bases and stuff for in case like, you know, maybe they think another comet's going to hit sooner or later. Take out like the dinosaurs, but take us out and they'll hide underneath there. I don't know, but I know there's like a lot of these bases that are underground that are super secretive. They probably just got like little trains connecting all of them, subways. They do. Pennsylvania has, of course, Raven Rock, which we talked about. Virginia has Mount Weather. Harvey Point is located in North Carolina. Ohio, of course, has Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which holds an underground base. And then you have the Cheyenne Mountain Complex in Colorado. Those are actually more protected than Area 51, believe it or not. I think Area 51 is just more of a distraction nowadays. Oh, absolutely it is. All right, so let's go on to the next theory, which it's a little crazy, but just try to follow us for a little bit, okay? Because we're going to jump down this rabbit hole. So like we stated, the hollow earth theory is believed by many that the interior of the earth is populated by several bizarre groups and that below a thousand mile thick crust of the earth, it's hollow and illuminated by an inner sun or the refraction of rays from the outside sun. Now something that is well known is that many high ranking Nazi officials totally believed that the earth was hollow. Like, it was very common, the belief between them. Now, it is recorded that in the 1930s that there were Nazi expeditions that were sent to Antarctica, which we talk about in our Patreon-exclusive episode today, and they also went to Tibet to try and find a way to contact people that are living under Earth. Now, even one of the most powerful figures in the Nazi party, Hermann Göring, he conducted rocket experiments, and all of his experiments and his mathematical calculations and all of that were based not on a solid Earth, but they were based on the Earth being hollow. And there's also like multiple other theories that people believe that certain members of the Nazi party actually escaped into the hollow Earth at the end of the war and have established colonies there. So, that's just a theory to kind of, you know, think about a little bit, that maybe that's where the Nazis are at. And see, the last entry for, or not, when I say the last entry, but the entry that we had for Richard E. Bird, when they said that they sent their ships to go investigate, the Fluterogs or whatever, Fluterods, mm-hmm. that's a German word, and that's one of their experimental alien ships that they had. Yep. That, like the alien, uh, alien type UFO ships. Yeah, the circular discs that the Nazis had. So yeah, that was one of their experiments. So there is a lot of coincidences when you start talking about Operation High Jump. 
and how just a few months prior to that operation being conducted, that you had a Nazi official come out and say, hey, we went to Antarctica, we buried Hitler's treasure there, you know, and all these other crazy claims. In the United States, they went and gathered up warships and 4,000 active military members, and they sailed to Antarctica. And I think they were like preparing to see, hey, there's an entire Nazi army here that has this advanced technology, and they're ready to throw down. 100%. You know, and maybe they're in hollow earth, and maybe that's what aliens are and UFOs. They're all chilling inside hollow earth, and they come out every now and then, and they just kind of check on us, and they go back down. It's pretty crazy to think about. It is. But if the earth is hollow, I would believe that part of the Nazis are in there. Yep. We even brought over some Nazi scientists and all that stuff to help us just because of how far ahead they were, you could say, the things they were studying. Yeah. So who, who to say that these ones that, that did escape, you know, to Antarctica or wherever, didn't actually have the more advanced stuff with them. And that the other ones that were brought over here during Operation Paperclip were just kind of like a pawn, you know? Wag the dog type thing? Is that what I'm hearing? Like, yeah, like wag the dog. All right. Dan, so tell us about this last theory. So this last theory is called skycentrism. It's the belief that we live inside of the Earth and that there are multiple hollow Earths within our own. The entrance that we talk about going into hollow Earth isn't an entrance into Earth, but actually an exit to the outer surface of our planet that we know. So pretty much it's the reverse. Wait, hold on, hold on. This theory is that we live inside the Earth? That we are in hollow earth. Then what's space? Fake? Made up? That's right there is why I don't really think this is true or this one's really that good of a theory, but it's a thing that people believe. I just don't understand. Like you said, like what is space then? That'd be crazy to think about, huh? That we're actually inside hollow earth and that say the north and south pole that we think's like the entrance to hollow earth is actually the way out to the outer surface. Man, I like that theory. That kind of blew my mind. I've never heard of that before. There's not a lot of stuff on it, but it's, it's a thing. All right, so I guess let's transition into our personal thoughts and theories. So, Dan, do you personally believe that the Earth is hollow? No. Now, I believe that we do have, like, these big subterranean, like, caves and stuff. Of course we have those. But I don't think the Earth is as hollow as they think it is. Like, there's a whole other world down there. I'm going to have to agree with you. But I do think that there are um, these giant subterranean complexes. Of course, we know that the military has them. But I do believe that there was, like, some type of ancient civilization that had advanced technology and had previously built these underground cities and that uh, the governments cover them up and kind of like look for this ancient technology. And then they slowly roll it out to these companies that they essentially control, like Apple, for example, that, hey, we found this ancient civilization, and look, we found this thing that looks like an iPad, but they, it wasn't an iPad back then, right? They didn't know what it was called, but they were like, hey, look what this does. They reverse engineer it, and then they give it to Apple, which is owned by the government and bankrolled by the CIA, and then Apple ends up rolling it out, and bada-bing, bada-boom, all the government officials that are in on it are investors of Apple, and they make a lot of money on it. And the technology gets slowly rolled out to a normal civilization, but then the other technology is kept for the military. 
and then uh, yeah, we roll it out during the wars and stuff. Damn, that's what I believe. Okay, I just don't think that there's a whole other world down there. Yeah, it's it's hard to get on, you know. But if there was, I would definitely go down there and visit it. Would you? Yeah, I would love to. Like if it's actually like journey to the center of the earth, I would love to go down there. Yeah, send me down there. I'll do it on the scene down there. Right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to today's episode before we transition to the next section? No, don't, I don't think I got anything for this one. All right, so that's the end of the episode today. So now we're going to transition to our On the Scene. Now, if you aren't familiar with what our On the Scene is, it is where individuals all around the world go and interview anybody. It could be your family member, it could be a random person on the street, anyone. They interview them and ask them certain questions about current conspiracies and happenings around the world and get their opinions on it. Now, anyone can do this. Yes, you, even the person listening to this right now. Just get your phone and you can use that to record on. Ask anybody questions pertaining to conspiracies or whatever. Make sure it's less than two minutes long and then send that audio clip to our emails, which is Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. And we will put it in the queue to play at the end of the episode each week. Now, last week, we didn't have any uh, on the scenes. We actually ran out. We did. But this week, we have a lot. Oh, yeah, we got a bunch in. Of course, we're going to start up the queue again. So if you sent yours in uh, and it didn't get played this week, just know we're slowly working our way down and we'll eventually get to it. But don't let that long queue make you discouraged from you sending in your own on the scene. Go ahead and send it in. Make one, send it in, and uh, we'll let you know when yours gets played via email. I'll, I'll send you an email like, hey, yours is coming on this week, okay? All right, so this on the scene this week is actually a mini theory, Ooh. and uh, it is from Raleigh, and uh, we're going to listen to that right now. Welcome to Theories of the Ocean Kind. I'm your host, Raleigh, and this mini theory is about eels. How this episode is going to go is I will talk about the life cycle of eels, strange facts and findings, and then wrap it up with my own personal thoughts and theories. So let's get started. Atlantic eels are spawned in the Atlantic Ocean, and the larvae drift from one to three years towards land where they become freshwater fish and live in rivers for decades while they mature, infiltrating the continent. When they are fully mature, they migrate back to the ocean to reproduce. When returning to the ocean, their stomach dissolves, eyes enlarge, and they turn silver but it is unknown what happens to them once they return to the spawn site. Strange Facts and Findings Early scientists named glass eels the larvae as different species because they were so vastly different from their mature form. So generally, eels go through four to five different forms before literally disappearing. Eels have never reproduced in captivity. Scientists have found eggs through dissection alone in the female reproductive systems, but there are no male reproductive systems so the only indication of a male eel is the lack of female parts. American and European eels both spawn in the Sargasso Sea, which is where the Bermuda Triangle is located. Personal thoughts and theories. Stay with me here. If eels can go through multiple forms over decades, is it a stretch to think that they could then change form to live on land or shapeshift? My theory is that reptilians are using the earth as an amniotic sac and maybe reptilians are actually more like serpents. The Bermuda, Triangle, and other spawning grounds may be portals to another dimension or Middle Earth. That about wraps it up, so let's roll in on the scene with Toffee. 
That was Toffee with a hard-hitting expose on the Megalodon. So, listeners, consider this. They say we know more about space than we know about our ocean. And this is just one example. It's okay to be out of this world, because you are not alone. Damn. Wow. Eels. Who would have thought? I did not know that about eels. Eels. They are reptilians, okay? And uh, I guess they don't do any f***ing. No. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say besides, hey, I loved your mini theory. I loved your on this scene. Love the Megalodon. A+. plus. It was great. It's like its own little mini episode. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. Eels. Didn't know that. Yeah. All right, Raleigh. Well, I want to thank you for your on the scene this week. It was excellent. Much love. And uh, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Much love. All right. So I guess let's transition into shout outs. So, Dan, do you want to start first and do your shout outs from Facebook? Of course. So I don't got too many, but I have a list. So shout out to Mariella and her boyfriend, Gabe, Ronald F., Heather B., Stephen W., Derek M., Jonathan P., Brian M., James S., Trevor H., Axton M. Those are what I have for Facebook this week. Now, a shout out from Discord to Amy Lee and her six-year-old son, Nicholas, and 12-year-old daughter, Layla. They're uh, avid listeners to our podcast as well. Nice. Shout out. And then a shout out to Jordan and her wiener dog, Milo. And then her new wiener dog that she just got, Finn. I call him Finny. Cute dogs. All right. Is that the end of your shout outs? That is the end. Uh, so let's see. Got quite a bit. I want to shout out Maddox. He actually got on his mom's Instagram and sent us a message. Really? <laughs> and say, hey, I think you guys are awesome. So shout out to you, Maddox. Uh, shout out to Audra Hayden, Bucky Gilbert, Barbie Toledo, James Carroll, Christian Arena, Alexandria. He said they've been listening to our podcast for years now. And my cheap ass has just been re-listening to the free episodes on Spotify. But I finally signed up to Patreon. Well, thank you. Nice. It means a lot that you support us. It does. All right. Uh, shout out to Adam Sakin, Stephanie Gardner, Thaddeus Kelsat, Mark Navea, Dyland, Vicky Harden, and Sean Stomberg, who said that Aaron sounds like Jason Lee. Who's Jason Lee? I have no idea who Jason Lee is. I'll have to look him up later on. But thank you, I guess. I don't know who he is. Oh, that guy. See, uh, on my personal Instagram, shout out to Elliot Massey. Uh, when I posted that TikTok on my Instagram of that uh, monk saying, hey, everybody have a good day, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if you've seen it, Dan. Oh, yeah. So Elliot said Dan's face reveal. And then I didn't respond, and he said, I'm sorry if that's offensive in any way. I had to say it. That's good. But no, not face reveal. You're wrong, Elliot. You're wrong. You're, you're wrong. Mama's right. It's not me. Yeah. So shout out to Alex Herman, Tom Zolharsdorf, Skylar Hall, Ali Samano, George Dukanis, Richard Pianko, Jacob, Brian Riley, TJ Harrington, uh, he wants to give his buddy Brandon a shout out. He's from Ontario and uh, out working in Texas and New Mexico. We both love the show. Well, shout out to you, TJ. 
uh, Harrington and Brandon, you keep on working, you know, but stick it to the man, you know, listen while you work, take extra long lunch breaks. And if your boss gets on to you, all you got to do is say, hey, I got approval from Aaron. And they say, well, who's Aaron? And then just give him my email address or my phone number. I'll talk to him. I don't give a shit. That's right. And when they say they don't care, say Danielson said I can take a break. Yeah. When they ask, you just smack them across the face because I allow it. Yeah. yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. All right. <laughs> um, shout out to Alejandro Alvarez. Shout out to Essence and Rachel Aiden. You are all amazing. That's my Instagram shout outs. I think I have a few emails. Chad Howard and Corey G. Thank you all for the love and the support. If I missed you, I'll get you next week. I love you all. And I'm dead serious when I say that. And I thank you all for your support. Without it, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. I just want you to know that. That's right. All right. So now we go into free talk. So how was your weekend, Dan? Was it good? It was pretty good. Weather's starting to get nice. You know, today was 84 degrees. So it's starting to get back up there, which is just staying in the, the high 70s, but it's getting nice. Yeah. And uh, I know you mentioned on the Patreon episode the story of what happened to you this weekend, how your neighbor had a crossbow and tried killing you and all that stuff, which if you didn't hear that story, go listen to it on our Patreon. It's pretty interesting. Crazy story. Crazy story. Yeah, it is. And then I talk about how my weekend went with... Uh, me actually seeing uh, 808 Mafia and, and uh, Southside and Wiz Khalifa at a resort. And Wiz Khalifa didn't say hi to me. I said, what's up, Wiz? And he looked the other way. And I'm like, dude, what a dick. Wiz, if you're listening, you should have said hi. Yeah, Wiz. Anyway, all right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to today's episode before we roll it out? Nope. I think it was a pretty good episode. I mean, it's hollow earth. Yeah, I liked it. This week's uh, regular and Patreon episode. Great stuff. Patreon was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs>